Well, welcome to another episode of Distilling Design Podcast. We are here uh, with Alicia Richards, uh, who is a designer, a general contractor, and a homesteader. Uh, welcome, Alicia. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's a real pro- pleasure. I know I asked you uh, just actually just a few minutes ago what your profession is, and you said designer, general contractor, and homesteader. Can we start a little bit backwards? What is a homesteader? So a homesteader more farms for their own consumption than for uh, selling to the general public. And when most people think of a farmer, they think of huge fields full of corn, soybeans and stuff, or big farms that have like two or three crops. I have a very large vegetable garden uh, with 50 or 60 different types of vegetables and fruit in it. And I process those for my own consumption and sell or give away my extras. And then I have animals for our own food consumption. So I have uh, laying hens, meat birds, geese, duck. Um, I had pigs last year. Um, my uncle Carl has cows that we uh, we have on the farm. And, and it's just, a, it's more about feeding yourselves very local food. Um, and it also includes the processes that go into those foods. So canning, freezing, drying, um, making and mending your own clothes, that sort of thing. So it's kind of a broad term of kind of what people did a hundred years ago. And now it's sort of a hobby. <laughs> it uh, sounds like a full-time job um, as well as a hobby. Um, but I, I <laughs> mean, I, I completely agree because I know that I, I do multiple things as well. So I, I understand when, when you say hobby, because it's, it's just something that I enjoy doing. But having all those animals, and I have a pretty good idea of how big your garden is. It's, it's a big <laughs> garden. Um, it is. That's a pretty big hobby. <laughs> it is. It when um a friend of mine said that once I added a tractor to the required things on my list for the year, it was no longer a hobby. It was a job. Um, <laughs> and I said, well, I just enjoy tractors, so <laughs> it is what it is. Oh uh, but we do have two hoop houses and a small uh, garden greenhouse for starting seeds early in January. So it has kind of moved beyond that sort of smaller hobby into sort of something that needs to self-sustain so I try to aim to make back the money that it costs to run everything through the year so it does kind of land on my t4 if you will and so it's part of my job description now okay but you're very good at we'll we'll get to the design and the construction uh in a minute but I want to just go with this homesteader thing for a little bit longer yeah curious how many animals not just the variety but the number of like hens do you have uh so for right now i have uh roughly 60 laying hens and two roosters um we just did a calling so we made some hens that had serviced us for a long time into soup chickens uh and then i uh while we were doing that calling i had I had 20 meat birds that we'd put into the freezer and so those are technically no longer on the farm. We call it going to freezer camp. They're now in the freezer for consumption. I have um, 10 turkeys that are going to be for, um, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, that sort of thing, um, as well as um, I sold the live birds finished to another gentleman. 
stool process in himself. As well as my mom has three pet geese that are lovely creatures. They are, um, they love her uh, and hate everyone else. They hiss and yell at everybody, but they're nice to watch. They waddle around and eat weeds and whatnot. Um, and I have six, I think six ducks right now. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. I have uh, four that are in my breeding clutch. And then I have uh, two that were for meat this year that hatched out of the clutches that didn't get sold. And then I have two dogs. So I have mine, which is Scooby. And then I, my mom has hers, which is Daisy. And both of them are huge parts of being on a farm. They love going everywhere. Um, they'll sit on tractors. They'll sit and on the RTV. They'll sit in the skid steers and whatnot and drive around with you. And they, they love it. Oh my goodness. That is extremely <laughs> impressive. I also do know because uh, you've shared uh, some of your jam with me, but you have award-winning jam, I believe. I do. Uh, so my close friend and I last year entered the Royal and we decided we wanted to do something off the wall. So we did uh, Earl Grey jelly. And the moment we tried it, even before it had gelled, we both looked at each other and went, this this is the best thing I have ever made. Oh <laughs> it was so good. Um, and we've made a bunch of batches. Of, um, everyone who has a birthday or a Christmas or whatever, that's what we get asked for now, as well as my pickles um, and our applesauce. So our pickles are uh, one third place last year, a dilly sliced. And um, I, don't know, I, I just enjoy it. So I think they're good. Well, <laughs> no other people. Yeah, I well, I I mean, you shared with me your strawberry rhubarb jam, and it was mm. it didn't last long in this in my <laughs> house at all. It was gone very quickly. It was so good. So, but I remember you had told me about your your uh, Earl Grey jelly. Yes, yeah, yeah. it is this like when you say a hobby? So you do this for fun, and and when it when something happens, then you like enter the the royal. Is it? this is just something you're going to do randomly? Yeah, we were going to actually enter into more fairs this year, um, but my year got really crazy busy construction-wise, so the hobby had to fall off, right? As in most people's lives, you know, hobbies fall off the edge, Uh, but that doesn't stop us from making stuff. So I've actually, so far this year, made just under 100 jars of jam over, I think, 10 different flavors so we've got the strawberry strawberry rhubarb uh i made concord grape jelly last night i've got uh peach jam which is my favorite so i make 27 jars of it every year i give a few away but mostly it's for my own consumption uh we got a golden plum um something else odd in there oh currants a friend of ours gives uh, gives us access to their currant bushes because they would just let the birds eat them and then make black currant jam. It's quite, it's quite good actually. I hadn't wow. heard of it until they moved there and had the bushes, and it is one of my, it's one of my favorites now for sure. I I love uh, currant jelly, and I I put it on um, pears. I'll I'll saute the pears and put uh, saute them with the jelly, and and it's just delicious. Um, so I, anyway, we'll, we'll share recipes, but we're actually here to talk about design and construction. So absolutely, maybe, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. this is a good segue into that. Um, how, 
how do you, how did you get started in construction and how did you get started? Like, how did that segue into design or did the design start first? Uh, no, so construction definitely started first. My dad owns a construction company that he's had, I think, almost 40 years now. Um, and growing up, my parents don't, my parents don't believe that kids are separate from their parents. Like, they, we don't go to, like, daycare or whatever. Um, I just went with my dad. In the summertime, we went with dad if we could. If, if the job site was too dangerous or whatever, you know, you stayed home with mom. But uh, I have memories when I was younger of carrying lumber into the backyard and our payment was we got to pick where we went for lunch, right? Like McDonald's or Wendy's. This is exciting, right? We're out of the house. Where's dad? Um, or he would take me after school to go do service calls. And I remember walking into people's houses with like water raining down from above because a pipe has burst on their first or second floor and like cleaning up with him and like helping him snake drains and um, or helping him go do a small job after after school and on our way home we got an ice cream treat which was ironic because I love those ice cream treats but it turned out I was I'm super allergic to dairy so I can't actually oh, yeah. have those ice cream. but it was quite um uh quite a start and then every summer like through high school and stuff I would work for him uh, actually I worked for him and Tim Hortons through um through high school so I'd go work construction in the morning and then I'd go and work from two in the afternoon at Tim Hortons. Uh, so building barns and house additions and painting fences. And um, I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of older construction workers. So that's actually where I got my bases is, you know, you do what needs to get done um, in a timely fashion. And uh, they were a little gruff. It was nice. It was a wonderful way to kind of be apprenticed. It was basically an old school apprenticeship. Was I just went to work and got told what to do and swept a lot of floors and carried a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and it, oh, sorry, go on. No, that's okay. Uh, so to get to the design work, um, I had gone to college. I actually went to school to uh, be in police foundations. I, I like the idea of going into policing but it just didn't work out so when I got home I went back to work for dad and um, one of our employees was sick and he was supposed to go to a training uh, camp for septic BCIN so um, a design install class it was a week long out in Guelph and I loved it it's all about math and rules and really simple you count how many bathrooms you count square footage you count bedrooms you follow the formula you pick the one that fits that formula the best and um, apply for the paperwork. And I had done that before. I'd taken other design designers uh, drawings to town for jobs that we were going to build, but I'd never actually done the paperwork on my own. And that was at a time when, when you challenged your BCIN, you had to find a location where they were testing. It wasn't centralized with the colleges yet. So I had to drive to Sudbury to sit that exam. So you drove all the way up to Sudbury early in the morning, sat the exam, which was three and a half hours, and then drove back that night. It was a long day, but I passed, and then I started doing septic. That was my first foot in the door to the uh, design work. And then I said to Dad, I'm kind of interested in doing more of these. I'd like to do more. Um, and he said, well, why don't you start, like, why don't you take a course? And I'm not much for sitting in school. So I thought, why don't I just challenge again? So I challenged for my small building and my administrative and, and got those. And I wrote them both on the same day. So it was 
almost seven hours of testing. Um, and it was, it was well, quite a day. I have my BCIN <laughs> and I know how hard that is. So, so doing two in one day is phenomenal. Yeah, they didn't want me to sit two in one day. I said, well, I'm not driving to Peterborough twice. So if you could just let me sit, sit it. And if I fail, it's my 80 bucks, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but I passed. And so I've been, um, I've been doing small build buildings for about almost seven years now. Wow. So uh, a lot of garages, barns, small house additions. I've done two full houses. It's really not my favorite thing to do. Um, but I do really enjoy doing the barns and that and the and the sheds and and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it, there's there's the design BCIN, but there's also having some kind of design aesthetic, and and it's it's hard to quantify because a lot of people who want to do what you've done or who do what you do have that natural ability to design and to see space. And, and it's, it's, it's really interesting the way the whole BCIN thing is, has evolved, but um, because it's predominantly for inspectors to make sure everything is to code and, and everything is functioning properly. It's not necessarily a design course, um, but myself like you have, have this design ability to see space and 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 then to be able to transfer it from paper uh to a 3d structure and and you it's really hard to quantify but you know that it's successful based on repeat customers based on uh your name getting out and people like what you do and and like how it's all worked out so so for you to be able to well i'm listening to you but for you to be able to have the um ability to to take something on paper and make it is is very rare to be honest because a lot of people just do one or the other they don't do both um well, so yeah yeah that's what i i find i mean when i first met you you gave me a few lessons in how to draw properly <laughs> and i'm like right that's a good point <laughs> okay she knows what she's talking about <laughs> i appreciate that i I think the big, big key is I did it backwards, right? Most designers have a passion for designing. So they go and they get their credit and then occasionally they'll go and they'll go to a contractor and say, Hey, do you mind if I tag along and see, you know, to the end result so that I can see what works and what doesn't. I have built houses. So actually when I'm designing something, I'm actually building it in my mind as if I was on site building it. So I know that if I, if the client says, oh, I want to put in this, you know, 30 foot span look I'm sorry that's not going to work unless we do a lot of steel work or really heavy beams and if you want to do that that's fine it's just going to be really expensive right and so I can answer those sorts of questions when we're designing something really quickly which is really nice for a client and it's nice for me as a designer and me as a contractor because 90% of the time what I design I end up building so I can kind of seamlessly transition people from the designs aspect through to the construction without there being any miscommunication or confusion um, you're dealing with the same person all the way through which yeah. doesn't happen very often no it doesn't and it's extremely helpful because you've you've built in there's a trust factor there so that mm -hmm. that people 
if they're going all the way through, once you have that trust factor, it, it, it's enormously helpful so that when you are building something and, and inevitably something goes wrong, there's, there's less friction in trying to solve the problem and, and make it figure out how to, to fix it. Absolutely. Um, Plus the, the added benefit of I'm on site. So if there's any changes, I can just sign off on them and the inspectors know me from being on other projects. So it's more streamlined and effective. Yeah. There's also a lot yeah. of, there's a lot less ego involved. Um, which, <laughs> and I mean, ego for everybody, like the, when I go on a job site and I'm a designer from downtown Toronto, and even though I've been doing this a long time, I'm, I'm still met with a certain amount of skepticism by structural engineers and architects and general contractors, because they're not necessarily, unless I know them really well, um, and that takes time, they don't really understand that I can visually see how it works. And my training is more on YouTube, to be honest, than it is physical <laughs> construction. So I, I, you have, I have an enormous amount of respect for, for the fact that you can see how it's all being built in your head and you can make the, those budget decisions immediately in front of the customer and client to explain to them, well, a 30 foot span is going to be expensive because this is how you have to build it. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas uh, a lot of people can't make that leap so quickly and they, they take time to, um, to analyze it and, and figure out whether that's the way the client wants to go or whether they need to adjust the expectations of budget. So it's a, it's really, it's very, it's a very nice gift to have. It is, it's, it's a lot easier um, now as I've been getting older. Now, when I was younger and I was making this, even 10 years ago, when I would say something to a client, Sometimes it still happens. They would back check with my dad. <laughs> and it used, to, it used to make me so angry that I would go through the whole design process and they would trust me right up till we got to a permit. And then I would bring one of my site supers in that was a guy and they would immediately change their alliance from trusting me to trusting them, which I would, I like that they trust my site supers. I don't mean it that way. I mean it in the immediately gendered I don't know trust was there and yeah. uh, some, sometimes it's frustrating and it, I get it a lot and it's not just from clients it's from you know other contractors or um, it was an age thing a gender thing now um, I find that I used to think that contractors were really direct and mean when I was younger and I realized it's just that they're tired of explaining themselves constantly so I'm pretty direct now no, that won't work. I'm sorry, that won't work because of this. Here are your options. We can't go backwards. We're only going forwards from this point. Um, and it's kind of helped a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. I was I was trying to skirt around that idea because I, I don't know, I guess I, I find it, um, I'm very wary of saying that there's a gender issue, but there's a gender issue. And, and I mean, you're a little bit younger than I am, but I, I still get the fact that people think I look 12. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where they get 12 from, but um, I'm definitely not 12. And, and it's the gender, it's not the age. So um, yeah. it's, it's uh, um, 
I've worked on a lot of job sites and I've done a lot of stuff. Dad used to do what we call farming out. Basically, he'd borrow, lend me out to another contractor. I'd be paid, obviously, but um, so that I could learn different skills from other people. So uh, I had one. I went downtown Toronto to put caging up around like an IT center. Uh, and I've been with this guy before. He's really fantastic. We cottage together and, and whatever. And he's older. Uh, he said... The bathroom's on the third floor, you know, go for a walk, be quick about it. And I got halfway up the stairs and this, what looked like a young man was coming towards me at quite a clip and looked pissed. And I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> oh, how, how is this going to go? And it was a girl. She says, you can't be wandering around here by yourself. I'm not wandering around, I'm going to the bathroom. You can't go anywhere by yourself. And you shouldn't have your hair hanging out. And you shouldn't have your person looks so girly huh? and I to me I'm in a loose fitting t-shirt a pair of jeans work boots I had a hard hat on because it was required on that site but I, I do have quite long hair so I had it in a braid so it was down to the middle of my back and yes it definitely points me out as a girl I can't help it I am a girl uh she had shaved like shaved off her hair she was bound tightly she was wearing clothes that made her look like a guy from a distance. She's, it's not safe for you to look like that. And I thought, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable in any, 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 in any industry. And there's been moments where, yes, I've felt threatened in the way that she felt threatened, but I've never um, been harmed in any way other mm -hmm. than verbally, occasionally from guys. And um, even other women that's in construction, I get... Um, are you a secretary? Um, oh, you're helping out today. Oh, can I talk to a man? Yeah. Oh, it's your choice. I mean, you can go talk to him, but he's just going to tell you to come back to me. So why don't we just streamline this, right? So um, right. So there's definitely yeah. There's still there's definitely still a gender problem, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Right, I, and it's and I I don't know what other people think of of listening to us discuss this, but um I mean I've never felt threatened physically mm. but I have been I have literally been threatened um and it's really um I it's usually been in larger groups of people um yeah. where I'm just standing my ground and saying no that's just not right and it's not going to work that way and and we need to figure out how we can fix this and move forward as opposed to pointing the finger and saying this is wrong and who's going to pay for it um that's absolutely right that's absolutely right. So it's, and just once or twice, I've, I've had some side comments, but those are always when I'm standing either on the street or mm -hmm. in the backyard or wherever I am on the job site. And it's when one person, and then they give me one side comment and I'm looking, I'm going, oh man, yeah. I have no backup here to, he, I have no backup to say that what you said is wrong. And I, I there's no um, because there's no witness, um, and number one and number two, they would have never said that if anybody else yeah. was standing around. And it's it's not um, it's not a, a entirely offensive comment, but it's it's usually questioning my ability, questioning my legitimacy. And and some people can say that that's maybe an inferior to complex on my part, but it's not because I know exactly yeah. what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying is is true and right, and I've I've hit a soft button on the on the other person's side. So, 
Um, Absolutely. Anyway, um, moving on from that very deep conversation, because Sorry. I know we can go on to that. <laughs> but um, but for the most part, things are changing and getting better. And, and it's it's little by little. I do find in the last couple of years, especially through the pandemic, that it's getting better exponentially faster. Um, well, you're seeing a lot more women. And that's because women are choosing the trades. They want to be there. That's their choice, right? If you see a woman in trades, it's not because she's she's failed at something or and that was her last resort. It's she wants to be there, right? Yeah. Um, and I find some men feel like they've been pushed into the trades. Um, and so and they're not always the greatest at it. Others are amazing. I mean, there's some that I've run into that I think you're an absolute artist. There's others that have said, well, I couldn't find anything else to do. I want, so I figured construction was my fallback. Okay. So when I see another woman in construction, I know she's fought to be there. She wants to be there. She's driven. It's really quite nice to see that in the last five years, I've seen it go from, I see one female contractor to almost five or six a year. So it's kind of nice, nice to see. That is really nice. Well, that ends the first half of my conversation with Alicia Richards, where we covered everything from farming and design and construction and gender and construction. Uh, It was quite something. And um, the second half will be about permitting and zoning uh, in rural areas, as well as building communities in these rural areas. So thanks very much for joining us. And I hope to see you next time.